So is this life all that there is? This life I'm living now, is this all that my existence is about? That's kind of the question um, that we're going to try and answer as we hang out in this passage together. And so I have a friend, believe it or not. Um, her name is Steph, and some of you guys know her. Um, yeah. Um, so I remember this one time, right? We were at this festival, and it was sick. Um, so this amazing band was playing, right? Um, we'd never heard them before, and we were heaps into it. Um, and the whole crowd around us was heaps into it. So we were wearing like matching ponchos um, and we were dancing along in the rain and it was incredible. The whole crowd was loving it um, and so were we. And it just went on for their whole set. So we were in front of this stage for like half an hour and this incredible band was playing. Um, it was amazing. Like it was just that moment that you're like, this is perfect. I don't want anything else in the world right now. But then their set finished, right? So their set finished and like we kind of went off and everybody else went off and we went and saw the next band. Yeah, so that's kind of what it was like. We went and saw the next band and we had to wear stupid duck masks. And so it was nowhere near as much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's us. So that's me and that's Steph. And it was just, it was pretty awful. Um, and then after that band, we were like, this is the worst. And we went home, but we missed the bus. And then we were really hungry and it was like 1am and so we couldn't get food. Um, so, this really amazing moment kind of turned into nothing. And then afterwards, we kind of found this new favourite band, but listening to their CD was never as good as they were live. So, the question still is, is this life all that there is? This life that I'm living now, is this all my existence is about? Because everyone has one of those, right? Like, do you have an amazing moment? So, like, maybe it was when that boy you really like first asked you out. Or maybe it was when you got an invite to the biggest party you knew about. Mel's giving me this funny look when I said that. <laughs> maybe it was when you got an invite to the biggest party you knew about um, and you knew you were kind of accepted by and friends with um, these people that you really wanted to know. Maybe it was how you felt the first time you got drunk um, and you felt like you could do anything and be anyone you wanted to be. But is this life all that there is? Because then think about how you felt afterwards. Think about the next day. Think about a week after, a month after, a year. Did it really make your life as much as you thought it was going to? Is that life? That's the question. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to ask them, is that life? All right, so the first thing, we're going to try and answer that. We're going to try and answer that from the passage. So the first thing I reckon you see in this passage, grab your Bibles, actually look at it, um, is that now is temporary. So I want you to look around. I want you to touch the person you're sitting next to really awkwardly. Emma wants you to touch her face if you're sitting next to Emma. I don't know where she is. <laughs> Oh, oh, devastating. You can touch their face anyway. Um, I want you to look outside. I want you to touch your clothes. Because all of those things, all of those things are just temporary. So look at verse 10 and 11 of the passage that we're looking at. We're going to have like bursts of fun and bursts of serious. And right now we're serious. <laughs> Check out verse 10 and 11 of the passage that we're looking at. Because it says exactly that. It says, on the day of God, everything will be destroyed with fire. It will melt in the heat until nothing is left. It says that you can try and cling onto it, but it'll disappear. 
it'll disappear. It's going to be destroyed like that. Everything, look at verse 11 with me. Everything will be destroyed in this way. Everything. So not only that plate, but your school and your home and this building. Everything will be destroyed. But actually, it's more than just that. Because think about it. What are the things that you love most about life now? Can anyone shout out some of them? Friends. One Direction. I like it. Anything else? Clothes. Surfing, I heard. Shoes. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So, your sport and your team will be gone. That one didn't smash. Let's see how we can do it. Pretty good. So, your sport and your team will be gone. All your achievements at school would be gone. Your friendships and all the memories that you've made, they're going to be gone. They're going to be destroyed. And you know what? It's not like you can pick them up and put them back together because you can't put it back together. They're going to be destroyed. That's what the Bible's saying. I don't mean to be a downer, but it's the truth. Your makeup and your straightener and your clothes, the, all those ones you spend ages shopping for and picking out, and the body you exercise every day to keep, it's going to be destroyed. Your entire music collection and your iPod, it's gone, it's melted, it's destroyed. Hey, Charlotte. (laughs) You got to do it that way. What's one thing that you love that's going to be destroyed? Can you think of anything? I know. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Their music is going to be destroyed just like this. Thank you. Do you want to sit down? No. No, I'm good. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Everything is going to be destroyed. So One Direction, all their music is going to be destroyed, which is kind of fair game. I'm okay with that. Every Twilight movie, every Twilight movie is going to be obliterated and every good movie is going to be as well. (laughs) So, guys. Everything is going to be destroyed. Have we got that? Everything is going to be destroyed. But when will this happen? I want you to look back at verse 10. Grab your Bibles. Actually look at it. Don't just watch me look at it. Verse 10. It says, this is all going to happen on the day of the Lord. The day when Jesus returns and the earth is destroyed. We don't know when it will happen. We just know that it definitely will happen. So it will come like a thief. So, like, when was the last time that a thief went and knocked on someone's door and was like, excuse me, I'm going to be breaking into your house at approximately 11 o'clock tomorrow night and I'm going to take your Mac and I'm going to look for your jewellery. But, yeah, it's a nice thief because no thief does it. And coming like a thief means that it's totally unexpected. If the thief came and told you that they were going to break into your house, you'd probably make sure that you locked your door that night and they wouldn't be able to break in. So, coming like a thief means that we don't know when the day of the Lord is going to happen. Jesus might return in your lifetime, or he might not. But even if the day of the Lord doesn't come while you're here and bring the destruction of everything, your experience of the world is going to be really short. You have 80 years here, or maybe less. Maybe you have 40. Maybe you have 30. Maybe you have another year. 
Or maybe you have like two hours. If on the way home tonight, the person who's driving your car crashes and you die. That might happen. And so, you have to wonder, if now is temporary, what does that mean? I've got a question for you, and I actually want you to sit there and think about it for a minute. This is actually worth engaging with, because this is true, and it's going to happen. Is it worth pouring everything, your whole life, into something that is so temporary? I want to sit there and come up with an answer. Is it worth pouring everything into something, life, that is so temporary? Hold that answer in your head as we think about this next bit. Because I think there's actually something in this passage that is much bigger than just destruction. So take a look at verse 12. It says, as you look forward to the day of God. What? Like, why am I looking forward to that? Because it means destruction, right? Look at the next sentence. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Do you think that's worth looking forward to? Like, isn't that insane? Does anybody actually hate life that much that they're looking forward to the whole world being destroyed? (laughs) Yeah, it's an awful thing. Who actually thinks that? I think the answer, the reason that the Bible is telling us to look forward to this is in verse 13. So check it out. What's the first word that verse 13 starts with? Who can find it? But, yeah, yeah. So we look forward to this day not because now is temporary, but because forever is coming. That's the second thing this passage says. Forever is coming. So look at it. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So God isn't going to destroy everything we know and leave us for dead, but his plan is actually to create a new heaven and a new earth. We're actually looking forward to something that is so much better. And we know it's better because it's the place where righteousness dwells. It's the home of righteousness. Righteousness just means that everyone is in a right relationship with God. And so there's no need for destruction anymore. It's not like this new heaven and the new earth are an iPhone 3. I think I've got a slide. Yeah, so it's not like the new heaven and the new earth are like the iPhone 3, but the iPhone 3 was pretty crappy and it didn't have a very good camera and it was kind of ugly because it had plastic or something. And so then we created the iPhone 4. And the iPhone 4... There's one at the back. There's an iPhone 3 in my bag because I'm old school. Um, the iPhone 4, the iPhone 4 is a little bit better. Like, it's kind of got glass on both sides and apparently squares are better than, like, rounded edges. And then, apparently, that wasn't good enough, so then we created a new one and it was the iPhone 5. The new heaven and the new earth aren't like that. It's not like they were new once and then one day they're going to be replaced again. The new heaven and the new earth, they are the true and final version that need no improvements. God has done a perfect job and it's a perfect place. So I reckon the question we ask is, how do we know that's going to happen? Like, really? How can we trust that? 
And I think the answer is that we know because God's promises are sure. He's trustworthy and he's proved it so many times over the course of history. The clearest promise I reckon God has kept is in Jesus. So he promised that Jesus would come. Count out how many promises this was. He promised that he'd come. He promised where he'd be born. He promised the exact price he'd be betrayed for. He promised the unusual death he'd die that hadn't even been invented yet thousands of years before it actually happened. And every one of those details played out exactly the way that God had said they would. Thousands of years before. God's promises are sure. So think about the answer to that question that you had before. The question was, is it worth pouring everything into something that is so temporary? I've got a new one for you. And I actually want you to take a minute and work out an answer. If now is temporary, but forever is coming, shouldn't forever shape everything about now? If now is temporary, but forever is coming, shouldn't forever shape everything about now? I reckon the third thing this passage says is be holy. Now is temporary, but forever is coming, so be holy. Um, holy is a word that we kind of throw around a lot, and I think we maybe quite don't, un- don't quite understand, but it's the one that the passage uses, so we're going to use it as well. Um, being holy just means being set apart from the rest of the world as God's people because we're living the way that he wants us to. So holy, we're set apart. We're different. We're living differently because we know that now isn't it. Now isn't it. And we're holy because we look forward. So look at verse 12. You ought to look forward and live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. It's in verse 14 too. Since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Because it's as you look to forever that you understand now. Why would you live for things in this world when you know that they're going to be destroyed? Why would you stake everything on something that is going to end up in pieces? And it's bigger than that as well. When you see that now actually sucks, but one day soon we're going to be in a right relationship with God, why wouldn't you live in that relationship now? If that's better and that's what's coming, why would you keep doing the thing that sucks? Because you can be in that right relationship with God. So... We said it again. The world is going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed. But it won't be if, verse 14, look at it. Pick up your Bibles. Look at it. Verse 14, if it won't be destroyed, you won't be destroyed, sorry, if you're found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. You'll be a lot more like this than like that. I'm not going to smash and I'm holding it. (laughs) This will be you totally whole, in heaven with God, not destroyed. But I don't know about you. I don't feel spotless or blameless. 
I could stand here for days telling you all the things that I've done that mean I shouldn't be at peace with God because I know that I have gone and done the exact opposite of the things that God has told me to do. I've gone and lied. I've gone and lusted. I've stolen music. I've argued with my parents and friends. I've been selfish all the time. I've done so many things that mean I shouldn't be at peace with God. But I also have absolute confidence that Jesus sees me as spotless. What? Like how? I think the answer is that entry into heaven is only because of Jesus' blood. It's only because Jesus died and my trust is in him that I can be in heaven. He's washed me clean of all of those things that deserve destruction. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see that person who lies and he doesn't see that person who lusts and he doesn't see that person who is selfish. He sees someone who is perfect. I'm at peace with God because Jesus lived an entirely holy life and he gave it to me. But that doesn't mean I'm off the hook, right? Because look at verse 14 again. It says, make every effort. So Peter's used that phrase before. He used it way back in chapter 1. It's verse 5 if you want to have a look at it. He said there, make every effort to add to your faith. Your faith saves you, but then you've got a job to do. Make every effort. Turn to the person next to you and I want you to ask them, are you making every effort? Have you asked it? Have you asked it? Ask it all together. Nice work, Sky. That was great. <laughs> Are you making every effort? But then you've got to ask, well, like, maybe. But what would making every effort even look like? Like, how do I know how to answer that question? What would it even look like? I reckon there's one idea in this passage that shows us what God's desire is for our time on earth. Um, There's a few that we're going to run through, but look at verse 15 to start with. Verse 15 says, Our Lord's patience means salvation. So the day of the Lord hasn't come yet. The earth hasn't been destroyed yet. The new heaven and the new earth haven't yet begun because... God wants his people to be saved. He's not coming back so that people can be saved. Have you ever thought about that? The reason that Jesus isn't here now is that so that people can be saved. So how can you be content going through life, knowing that truth and not sharing it? Is this life all that there is? This life I'm living now, is that all my existence is about? If you're here and you're checking out Christian stuff, I'm really stoked that you are. I'm stoked that you're listening. I'm stoked um, that you've kind of been able to hear some of the truth of the Bible. Um, And I want you to question what your life is about and whether what I've been saying is true. Um, And I know there's people who've been around for a long time and who have been hearing this. And if that's you, and if you've worked out that it is true, then man, you need to put your trust in Jesus. If you don't want to be destroyed, you need to put your trust in Jesus. 
if you are a Christian already, then you know how important this is. Share it. Don't hog Jesus. If you knew there was a fire in your house and it was going to be destroyed, would you tell your family? Yeah. Share it. Don't hog Jesus. If someone had done something crazy in the science lab at school and it was going to blow up your school, wouldn't you make sure that your friends got out alive? Yeah. If you have friends, you would. (laughs) So share it. Don't hog Jesus. If you knew that the world was going to be destroyed but that people could live with God forever... Wouldn't you tell them how? Share it. Don't hog Jesus. I know that it's not always easy, but it's why Jesus hasn't returned yet, and so it has to drive us as well. Maybe on Monday morning, when your friends ask how your weekend was, you can tell them that you went to youth group and that you learned something that you really want to share with them. Maybe the next time your sport team start gossiping about someone or the next time that they ask you to get drunk with them after your game, You can tell them that you're going to live differently because this life isn't all that there is. Or maybe you just need to get some non-Christian friends. Maybe you don't have any. No, really, maybe you don't know anyone who's not a Christian. If that's you, pray that God would give you some and then go and find them. Go and do something that means that you spend time with people who aren't Christians so you can share it and not hog Jesus. There's people crying out for him. Let's not keep it to ourselves. There are other ways to make every effort too. Money. Are you using your money in a way that is temporarily fun now, but is going to be destroyed? (laughs) Are you using it in a way that's going to be destroyed? Thanks, guy. Or are you using it in a way that will matter forever? Maybe that looks like giving some of it away every week at youth group so that other people can hear about Jesus. Maybe that looks like giving some to people in other countries who don't have food. What about popularity? Does it matter what people think of you now if you know that forever is coming? Do you spend your whole life worrying about what other people think rather than caring about what God thinks? Forever is coming. And we need to be at peace with God. Who cares what people think for the next 80 years if you have forever with God? And what about beauty? Some of you, some of me included, need to stop working on the way that we look now and start working on something that is actually going to matter forever. Take a minute, think about it. How much time do you spend every day exercising, and thinking about what you're eating, and putting on makeup, and straightening your hair, and choosing what you wear, and shopping. And, like, there's so many other things. If you had to add that all together, how long do you think it'd be? Hours? The whole day? It would be a long time. It's pretty much endless, the amount of things that you can think about that have to do with what you look. But, I've got another one. How does that amount of time, however many hours that is, compare to the amount of time you spend on doing things that will last forever? Your beauty isn't going to last. It's going to do this. I'm not. (laughs) Your beauty won't last. But a relationship with God will last. Take some of that time you spend on your beauty. Take all of that time you spend on your beauty. Read your Bible. 
come to youth group. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when all your friends are going to be here. All the time. A relationship with God is going to last. Your beauty isn't. Is this life all that there is? This life that I'm living now, is this all that my existence is about? Because we started talking about our amazing moments, didn't we? You know what? This life isn't all that there is. That moment doesn't have to be the thing that it all revolves around. Because there's something bigger. Now is temporary, but forever is coming. So be holy. Live a life that is wound around the truth that this isn't it. And old, a really cool old guy, um, his name was Charles Studd, he said this, um, and I think he sums this up really well. He says, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. <laughs>